Hi there, and welcome to a bonus episode of Even If. We're celebrating Imogen's first birthday all week with Q&As, guest interviews, and giveaways on Instagram, and we're so grateful that you're celebrating with us. We have our very first guest interview on this bonus episode of the Even If podcast. I sat down a few weeks ago with licensed professional counselor and author KJ Ramsey. She's just released her first book, This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. And it is a beautiful book that weaves together our sorrow and our joy, our pain and our hope in the most beautiful way. I'm so excited for you to listen in on our conversation. Well, KJ, thank you so much for joining us today on Even If. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you for having me. KJ, we haven't talked about this yet, but we have some uh, similar threads in our life. I, You went to Covenant College, is that right? I did, yes. I went to King College. Do you know King College? I do. I've played a soccer game there. That's that's why I know Covenant, the soccer matches. That's so <laughs> that's fun. Cur- yeah, yeah. When I played I played soccer my freshman year of college and we totally played there. That's played awesome. There. Yeah. I'm so excited for you to be here today. I have been waiting for months for your book to come out because I think you just put words to this season that so many people are in that isn't always given a lot of space to live out and to acknowledge. So it's speaking to me in my own life tremendously right now. And I just find myself nodding along saying, yes, like these are the words I've been trying to figure out how to say. Mm. So thank you so much for sharing from your own story and your own pain in a way that helps others acknowledge and, and heal in theirs. Thank you so much. I, I think that's the best compliment and encouragement you could give an author is that we would help you articulate how you feel. Um, That's so encouraging. So thank you. Listeners, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but KJ has a brand new book out. It's called This Too Shall Last. And I am not sure I've ever pre-ordered a book before, but I pre-ordered this one (laughs) because I was waiting for it for so long. So if you have not checked it out yet, you'll definitely want to, and you'll hear a little bit more about her story on our episode today. So KJ, for people who aren't familiar with your story, tell us a little bit about what you cover in the book and a little bit about just the story of your life. Yeah. So in the book, I I mean, the subtitle is Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. So I talk about suffering that doesn't exactly go away. And for me, that has in large part looked like living with a severe autoimmune disease for the last 11 years. But also in my experience of daily pain that though it's treated will never be cured unless a miracle happens. Uh, It's also helped me get in touch with the suffering that's strewn throughout my story. So from childhood on of the things in my life that were hard and continue to affect me, but that I had treated like they shouldn't have mattered that much. Um, so yeah, in the book, I I talk about my own experience of living with daily pain, but I also share from a perspective that says all of our pain matters. All of our pain is embodied. So it is manifested in our bodies, whether your pain is emotional or spiritual, relational, that our bodies experience it and that all of our pain is relational. All of our pain impacts 
how we relate to one another and how much how capable we are of feeling like ourselves and showing up in our relationships. That's a large part of what the book is about. Yeah. And I love how you do bring in a lot of different elements of pain and suffering, because I think sometimes we get in this habit of feeling like um, unless we've experienced significant loss or, you know, a a life-changing diagnosis or something that our pain doesn't matter. And I feel like you give a voice to the fact that we, we've all experienced suffering in some way. We've all experienced pain in some way. And that's one of the things that, you know, if we can't acknowledge our own pain, then we can't heal from it. Right. Yeah. And if we can't acknowledge our own pain, we also are unable to really connect to each other in a deep and lasting way. Mm-hmm. So we all have pain in our stories, but we usually spend so much energy trying to push it to the side, um, not realizing that we're pushing away the place we could be most known and connected. And and with each other and also with God, you know, you bring that out so much that that's one of the ways that we connect with God. And when we push our, push our pain to the side, we can't allow him to enter into our pain with us. Right. Yeah. We, we lose sight of the fact that he's already there. When did you realize, you know, this, with this autoimmune disorder, was there a moment where you realized this pain was not going to go away or this pain wasn't going to be fixed? Was it a specific moment or was it an ongoing kind of revelation for you? It was definitely more of an ongoing revelation. I do think that very early on for me, I had a deep sense that this was going to be part of my life forever. Um, When my husband and I talk about it, he shares that at first we hoped that it would be, you know, be treated or would um, fall into the background of our story. And that's true for sure. Um, But I think deep in my soul on my own, I just felt like this was here to stay. And Mm -hmm. And there have been points throughout my throughout the last eleven years where, you know, people will um, pray for healing, and and I of course would love to be healed, and I pray for healing. But there's points where um, people will pray for healing as though like I've never prayed for that on my own or something. Yeah. Like, oh, this is a novel thought. Um, yeah. Wouldn't it be nice if God healed me? Oh <laughs> man, I've never thought of that before. Gosh, thank you. I'm so glad that you've thought that up today. Um, and those moments, sometimes I can honestly be grateful for their care. Uh, sometimes in the past, I've just been like a snarky jerk <laughs> inside yeah. and didn't really appreciate it at all. But there's also this conversation going on in my soul where I sense deeply from the spirit that this is here this is, this is here for a while and it's not going away and there's something here for me. And I still, I still have that sense. So it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Um, and I know that's, and I'm not speaking for everybody. It's just my own experience with my disease that at least in the way, the large part of my life, the space that it takes up right now, uh, I have a sense from the spirit. It's going to keep taking up that space for a while. So is that sense something that you are able to embrace or is that something that you wrestle against even as you sense that? Well, in those moments such as at a, you know, church gathering, a service or something where somebody's like, 
um, is it okay if I lay hands on you and pray for you? Because, uh, you know, I would love for you to be healed. And you're like, yeah, yes, yes. Um, thank you. And they're praying, you know, take God to take this away. Well, usually during that, that moment, I feel like this quiet conversation with the spirit, like, no, but I see you and, and I have, I'm with you in this. We're not done yet. And so in those moments, I feel this sweet, quiet joy. Mm. Like, okay, I consent. I consent to this. You are mm. with me, God. I will also say that there are many moments scattered across my days where I'm just like, I'm so done with this. I'm so like last night I took my my weekly injection of methotrexate, this chemotherapy I take every week. And it makes me really nauseated and just woozy. And gosh, I would have loved to just feel well. And I think ah, I would love to be done with this. I'm so tired of how this affects my life in these pitiful little repetitive ways. Those moments I do, you know, rage against the the, the small deaths my body has to experience just to keep going. Um, and there are there are bigger times when I wrestle more. Um, but yeah, it's a it's always unfolding, whether I feel acceptant yeah. or I feel in anguish. Yeah, we. Um- in a season of loss over this past year, I felt like there came a moment where the Lord said to me, I I felt like such a victim. I felt like, you know, things have been lost and stolen from us when our daughter died last year. And I very clearly had the sense that the, the Lord said to me, no one can steal what you willingly surrender. And it was just kind of this moment of saying, no, I would not have chosen this. No, this is not the story I would have written. But I am not a victim here because I do get to choose to, like you said, consent to how I'm going to live this out. Mm-hmm. And I can choose to recognize that I am going to find you here, Jesus, in my pain, in my suffering, in my grief. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then once I could kind of surrender to that, then it, it gave him room, I think, to show up and to, to minister to me in that place. Right. First of all, it's beautiful. I don't think our conversation can probably do justice to the depth of what that conversation between you and God really sure. means. You know, that is, that's profound wrestling right there. And I think that what we're both getting at, this consent is a under-acknowledged part of faith that creates a space inside of us where we get to see God has already shown up. Yes. It's, it's us who can't see and it's our, our posture, not, and I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming us. I'm not blaming our suffering. I'm not blaming. I'm not saying we don't do well enough. I'm just saying that there's something about suffering that invites us to shift and that in consenting to God and his presence, we start to see Jesus is here and already with us. And 
we're changed from the inside out, but it's that, that surrender, that consent that makes the shift possible. Yeah. Yeah. So how has your, you're getting at a lot of this, how has your interaction with God changed as you started to, you know, embrace, maybe not be the right word, but consent and accept and, and lean into your suffering? I think that to answer that, I have to go partly into the the backstory of the suffering that I hadn't acknowledged before I got sick, which was growing up in a household where there was a lot of chaos and um, even abuse. And yes, my parents are, are wonderful people and uh, they really loved me well and loved my family well. Um, but without getting into a lot of the details of what was happening in our relationships with them, my older brother in particular, I had to live in a way where I repressed my emotions constantly mm-hmm. to the, to the point where I showed up at college and I thought I wasn't an emotional person. Mm-hmm. I'm an Enneagram four. I am a ball <laughs> of feelings. Like it is big, big feelings all the time. But I, I grew up internalizing a story where you're loved when you're quiet mm-hmm. and your needs are things to take care of on your own. And so that is what I brought to my faith and to my relationship with God was you are the good kid. You do the right thing. You do the, you have your quiet time, you serve others. And that is what faith looks like. And suffering upended that story. And I no longer could keep such a tight lid on my feelings. And suddenly, uh, there was anger popping out of my eyeballs and (laughs) there was shame seeping through my skin. And it was like, I can't avoid that. I have feelings and that I am a, I am a mess. And, and I also couldn't just leave. I couldn't go do other things to um, avoid how I felt or distract myself from how I felt. I was literally for the beginning part of being sick, stuck in bed for months and months and months. So my shift, how my relationship with God has shifted. and And granted that was 11 years ago that I first got sick, but this shift continues to happen is that all of me is welcome. All of my feelings are welcome. I no longer have to perform to be in God's presence. I get to receive God's presence where I am, as I am, just doing nothing. But being here, sick, suffering, silent. And that has changed everything. One of the very first things you say in the book that this is this is honestly what grabbed my attention right away was that this book is not a before and after story. Um, that mm-hmm. you're telling your story in the middle as it's unfolding right now, day after day after day. There's not a bow to tie on it. Um, and I think that we are in the church addicted to the before and after story. Um, yes. We're addicted to the 
this is where I was lost. And then this is what God did. And now it's all great. So God is good and look what he's done. And, and sometimes that happens and it's great when it happens, you know, that's, of course we love seeing that, but you know, I, I hear people say a lot, you know, Jesus writes the best stories. And what they mean by that is look how this all turned out. And so mm-hmm. this is a good story. Why, why are we addicted to that before and after story? And where's the, the value in telling our story from the middle? Great question. Great, great question. Why are we addicted? I don't know if I can fully answer that question, but I can muse about it. So I think that we... We want comfort and it's, it's much more comforting to be able to point to things working out and going well than it is, or at least in the short term, than it is to look at a story that still has sharp edges. Yeah. And I think that we as Christians just so struggle to live in the full arc of the narrative of scripture that we're in the middle of this big story and it's not, we're, we're in the, we're, we're in the part where things are not resolved. Right. And yet we so desperately want to be at the end. And I think that's, Largely because we tie up our culture's ideas of what success looks like and what goodness means with who God is. And we get so confused. Mm. Um, yeah, we're, we are addicted. You are right. I think it's a massive question as to why we're so very addicted. But mm. it's easier to have certainty that things are going to get better than it is to experience connection in the middle of things that aren't improving. So this idea that you're talking about, this idea of suffering and how we interact with it, this doesn't seem to be something that the church as a whole really understands and really knows how to make room for. Um, how how can we as the church, as Christians, as believers, how can we make space for people as they suffer and as they grieve and as they walk through these painful seasons of life? Another great question. One that I think we could talk about for ages and ages. Um, I think I want to start by saying I love the church so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, recently... I had asked some question on Twitter and someone had replied and was like, why would you ask that? It sounds like you hate the church or something like that. And I was just like, oh man, if you only knew what the love of the church has cost me, um, you wouldn't ask that. But also I see where you're coming from. I mean, yeah, it's hard to ask these questions like you're asking um, and acknowledge that it is in the body that we will find grace and the same place where we find grace is also the place where so many of us are wounded and feel unseen and unheard and trampled down by um, the church's 
desire that we get better faster than we do. Mm-hmm. So I think I just want to acknowledge that tension to begin with. Um, the church can make space for sorrow to be intersected with joy by first acknowledging that Christ is God and we are not. Mm. And I say it like that because I think unconsciously we often show up with those who are suffering with a attitude that we need to fix the pain that they're in. Often the sorrow that we see, whether that's somebody in the hospital or somebody facing a mental health crisis, um, the loss of a child or a job, it makes us feel anxious. And we don't usually acknowledge how anxious we feel about the pain that we see reflected back in the eyes of the person we're talking to. And I think that desire to comfort and make that pain go away is actually uh, the sin of pride <laughs> that, yeah. that we want to be their savior. Yes. Um, but you're not the savior. Jesus is the pain bearer. And, and because we have his spirit in us, we, what we can offer is his presence his presence to be with us, to comfort us where we are. And then we get to see him. And so instead of making pain past tense, we get to be present in the midst of it. And yeah, I think, I think we have to be willing to take a hard look at ourselves when we encounter people who are in sorrow to be honest with ourselves about how anxious it really makes us feel about our lack of control, our potential to experience something as difficult as they are experiencing, and our desire for relief in our own lives. We have to be very honest about our own anxiety. That's where I would start. Yeah, I. that is so good. As somebody who's walked through grief this year, I think we see, you know, people, people want to fix it for us. They want mm-hmm. to, and it's, it's well-intentioned. They want to take away our pain and they want to fix the situation and the circumstance. And, um, it comes from such a good place, but like you said, there is nothing that, that someone else can do. That's going to fix this. Nope. Um, it is only what Jesus can offer us that can bring, um, hope and joy and, a measure of healing into the situation that we're in without the situation changing. Um, yeah. But I think that's so hard for us to accept it. And I have, I have watched people who want to do that for us. And, and at the same time, I'm trying to do it for other people. It's just our natural. Right. Oh, totally. I do it too. I still do it where I will respond poorly to someone else. Like one of my friends is walking through, she just got divorced and it, has been so painful, so, so painful. Um, and she said, people say, I can't imagine what you're going through. And she's like, it's the worst. It's like, it just, it just separates us further when you Mm -hmm. say you can't imagine what you're actually saying is I can't imagine it. And I really don't want that to happen to me. Exactly. (laughs) Right. Yes. Right. (laughs) And, uh, 
Like, just why don't we just say that and connect to each other in in this vulnerability a little bit more? I don't know. I was curious for you, like, what's been what what has been a time where you have felt like someone stood with you instead of trying to take away your pain? Early on, really early on, it was genuinely people who could show up, like you said, it is, it's so much about presence, who could show up and they didn't have to fill the silence. Mm. I think that was early on where we we found so much comfort from people because they didn't say anything to try to fix it, but they also didn't get all itchy and uncomfortable with our silence. They just sat with us in it. Yeah. And it was the people who did that and then came back and did it again, even though they knew what they were walking into the next time. You know, the first time they might've been like, okay, didn't know what this was going to be. But the next time it was, I know what I'm walking into and I'm willing to come back and do it again. I think that was the thing that was so, that did bring us comfort, even in the middle of our pain. It didn't take it away, but it brought a measure of comfort while we lived in it. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I think- the spirit is in the silence. Yes. It's like yes. we, if we could be expectant, my husband was reading something. He has the book in his hand, so I can't go grab it. But <clears throat> recently I read Under the Unpredictable Plant by Eugene Peterson, and he's reading it now. And I think he was reading it to me yesterday. Part of it, he, my husband's a chaplain now. He was a pastor and he's a chaplain. And part of his work is in hospice. And he has talked with me about how he loves to show up to his patients expectant to see God is already there. So he doesn't have to bring God with him. God is already there in his people, in every human, every human bears the image of God. And, and Peterson had said something similar about he, he would visit his congregants with expectancy to see God. And I think that's, what suffering invites us to is it like shifts us out of this posture that like, you know how people will pray, God show up, show up for us. And it's like, he is already here. This is what I keep saying. Suffering asks us to wait with patience that that might be true. And it's in the silence that we start to see what's already there. Yes. And it's like this waiting posture, this being with posture is what uh, transforms us into people who know the spirit is already in us and among us in some beautiful, mysterious way. Yeah, that's so powerful. If we relieve ourselves of the pressure that we have to bring God's presence to someone else, but we just simply get to bear witness to the way they're encountering the presence of God in their grief, in their pain, in their suffering. There's something I think really holy about that. There is. Yeah. And I think it's humbling. It's a, it's a humble posture to have to take. So I think we're often in sorrow when we, we encounter people's sorrow. I think we're often another way our anxiety manifests is we're so worried about our fellow Christians um, losing their faith Hmm. and thinking wrong things about God. And I think we need to have 
hold some room that perhaps God cares more about this person than you do. And perhaps he still holds them in the palm of his hand and is not going to let go. And they can spew out some words that sound unfaithful. They can experience some dark doubt and God has not left them and is not letting them fall through the cracks of his fingers. Yeah. So beautiful. And that is one of the things that I love about your story and your writing and how you lead us through the middle of our stories is that for a book about suffering and for, you know, messages about suffering, there's so much hope um, that it's not depressing and it's not heavy. It's weighty, but it's not heavy because this, I think, you know, right understanding of our pain and of our suffering actually leaves us infused with hope. And that's what we find when we encounter God there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Christ is present here. I think that's what I have encountered over and over again in my story is that when I am in pain and I'm darkened by doubt, uh, I can turn and look to Christ who has united himself to me in faith and by his death and resurrection because of the spirit, I can turn towards him. I can look at Christ and in him, I find that I don't have to do this perfectly, that he has faith when I don't have any, and he has hope when I am hopeless. And it's encountering him that fills me and renews me. Um, Scripture says we have the mind of Christ. Like I, I have experienced Jesus becoming the controlling, compelling feature of my life that changes how I encounter everything around me. His heart, his faith in the Father, his trust, his love for people who are seemingly unlovable, that's becoming mine. And it becomes yeah. mine as I as I turn toward him and I look to him and I think, I don't have to manufacture that on my own. He already has it and he hands it to me freely. And somehow it's through suffering that that, um, that transaction in a way, I don't love that word, but how that takes place. That's where I receive. Yeah, so beautiful. Well, KJ, if people want to read more from you or hear more of your words, where tell us where they can find you. Well, number one, I would love for people to read the book, my book, obviously. Um, it's called This Too Shall Last, Finding Grace When Suffering Lingers. And you can find it wherever books are sold. I have a bunch of links at kjramsey.com. I'm all over social media at kjramseywrites, especially on Instagram because I love the beauty. So that's where you can start. Yes. You follow KJ on Instagram. Her posts are, they are full of beauty, but her words are just every day. You read her words and go, oh, yes, this is what I needed to hear. Or like me, you're like, this is what I wanted to say. Even better. <laughs> um, and you. definitely order the book. I have a few copies that I'll be giving away. So head over to Instagram at kelly.strife and you can get a free copy of KJ's book also. 
KJ, last question for you. If you were putting together an Oprah-style favorite things giveaway, what is one item that you would have to include? Okay. I'm obsessed right now with my hammock, which a dear friend bought for me as my book was coming out to just like relax now. You've done the work. Um, So I would want the hammock. I think it's I don't know if you say, you know, you know, whatever brand, but I would have people get that as a present hammock with straps and then just go lay in between two trees and feel held and peaceful. And it's the best thing in the whole world. I love it so much. We, I make my husband set up our hammock on our front porch, um, almost daily because it's like you're just kind of cocooned in that hammock yes it's the best feeling it's so good it it is well I then people I will be giving away a couple copies of KJ's book and also an Eno hammock if somebody wants to go over on Instagram we will (laughs) make sure that's included in our giveaways today so KJ thank you so much for being here thank you for sharing from the middle of your story and thank you for sharing honest words about pain and suffering that leave us so filled with hope and who God is and what he's doing in our lives. This is Imogen's birthday week and we have an ask from you and a gift for you. This whole week is about celebrating and honoring Imogen's life and will culminate with her birthday on Sunday, June 14th. And we would love to hear from you how her life has impacted yours. We've created an email account just for people to send notes to, and it would mean so much to us if you'd send us an email to happybirthdayimogen at gmail.com. That's happybirthdayimogen, I-M-O-G-E-N at gmail.com and tell us how her life has mattered, how it's impacted yours and how God is moving through her story. I'll print them all out for us to read on her birthday as we celebrate one year since she was born. And we haven't forgotten about birthday gifts. And since we can't give gifts to Imogen on her birthday, we're giving them to you instead. You can follow me on Instagram. I'm at kelly.strife. And we have a new giveaway every day this week. You can find instructions for entering there. 